Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen, let's explain what that means to a degree. That doesn't mean you're going to come here to get a miracle. That means you're here as a miracle. You are a miracle. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> this morning, we're uh, by the Holy Ghost. We're bringing you a message containing to the Word of God. Now, our text is going to be found in Second uh, Timothy, third chapter, sixteenth and seventeenth verse, so that we don't confuse this. All right, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Every word is God-breathed. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In the past, during a time of prayer and fasting, the Spirit of God led me into the direction of rightly dividing. And so we've passed through that doorway, through rightly dividing. We understand that we, we have now the understanding of uh, the Apostle Paul's position in the lives of the Gentiles, which we are. We have the understanding of the Apostle Paul in the life or in the times of grace, which we now live in. So the point is making, the, the point being made this morning is let's be cautious in the fact that we do not abandon the total scriptures. Some, I think, in the past have misunderstood and thought that I said not to read certain books and passages. All the Bible we just read, all of it is God-breathed. But yet in the same book in Timothy, it talks to us about rightly dividing it, putting in its proper place. If you neglect the first three chapters of Genesis, you're going to have real trouble understanding the Scriptures, because the first three chapters of Genesis is information that is greatly needed to proceed and understand what's going on biblically. There are Scriptures in Proverbs that are necessary. They may not be speaking to us personally, but they can speak to us. So don't discard. The, 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 the situation was this. From the observance of Christianity, it was obvious that scriptures were being used and abused and taken out of their context and used and brought confusion into the body. It was very simple. And so the correction has come so that we could identify the scripture that's talking to us in these 2,000 years of grace. That's where we are. Grace. Grace and law, we see, won't mix. There are statements that Jesus made pertaining to faith that is necessary that we have that revelation. The Apostle Paul talks about faith. Faith is spoken of throughout the Scripture. Faith is faith. Love is given to us in all the Scriptures. God was speaking about love to the Jews in the law. He was speaking about love to us in this period of time, grace. Let's don't abandon 
uh, let's don't be guilty of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Let's pay attention so that we do not confuse scriptures that are directed to law and try to apply them to our lives when we're living here in a period of grace. So we have lots to understand yet pertaining to grace. We have lots to understand yet pertaining to the supernatural life of the believer. I've been watching lately in the rightly dividing camp. I don't see the rightly dividing camp having any miraculous. I don't see the rightly dividing camp having any miracles. I don't see them having any healings. They've abandoned this because of the 13th chapter, I think, the 13th chapter of 2 Corinthians. In the 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, there are some verses that Paul writes that has been misunderstood by a group of people. When that which is perfect is come, all these things will be passed away. All these things will be unnecessary, which is tongues, miracles, movements of the Holy Ghost. All those will be done away with. But personally, we know better than that because we're experiencing the miraculous. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. We pray in other tongues. So we know good and well that that verse, that the, the interpretation of those scriptures cannot be correct. Just one of you. If just one of you, it would be wrong. It'd be a, a, a wrong interpretation. What they're saying is, this is what is perfect that's come. This is the perfect that they're saying that's come. So once this came, they have no need that's a scripture that they use to abandon the Holy Ghost. That which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. But see, you know what that perfect has come is? You know what that is really? That they misunderstand? Now listen, this is not backwards people. This is theologians, college graduates, uh, seminary graduates. Okay? But it makes it easy it makes it easy to abandon the Holy Ghost. Most of these people that are in this are Baptist-based believing. And this is what they're basing it on. But you understand what that which is perfect is? The second coming of Jesus Christ. When the second coming of Jesus Christ comes, yes, all these things will be no longer necessary. But until Jesus comes, they're necessary for me. Tongues is necessary for me. The miraculous is necessary for me. The Holy Ghost is necessary for me. And if it's just for me alone, that suits me. But I'm trying to get you encouraged to understand it's for you also. So here's the thing. A truth abused excessively becomes a weakness. And that's not what we're going to do. We're not going to allow a truth excessively used to become a weakness. I'm just saying there are scriptures. For instance, I just read this morning. I read the first three chapters of Hebrews. It wasn't written to me. I know that. But yet there are truths in there that I have great need to understand. It talks about God creating the world, Jesus' position in it. Okay? But then 
you go on down to about the fourth chapter, and you get into the trouble chapter, where it talks about once you've tasted the goodness of God and, all, and fall away, there's nothing to call you to repentance. Well, immediately I realize that's not talking to me because that's an impossibility to me. It doesn't change the fact that when you were saved, something happened to you. That which happened to you happened in your spirit. And it's, necess- it's, it's, it's a necessity to learn. The majority of the body of Christ do not know what happened to them at the moment they were saved. They just know that Jesus came into their heart and they got saved, and they don't have to worry about hell anymore. Well, see, that is not even true at all. Jesus doesn't come into your heart. Something came into your heart, but it wasn't Jesus. Where do you find in here that Jesus came into your heart? The Holy Ghost came into your heart, and He came in on purpose, and He sealed it, and He did something. He didn't come into the old heart. You became a new creation, and he came into that creation, and he'll never leave that creation, and he's in that creation, and he's in that creation forever. And once that's understood, then you don't have to be so concerned about um, him leaving you, because he says he never will. Now, don't misunderstand me. Here's what happens when some of these revelations become, they're new to people. There's lots of questions that everybody's going to have that are unanswerable. But the Holy Ghost is the revealer. You have to go to Him and seek His wisdom. You have to seek His understanding. He'll lead you. That's what He does. But not when you've already made up your mind, because it's not mental. It's spiritual. We became a spiritual being the moment we got saved on purpose. We'll always be a spiritual being. The body of Christ is determined by God to be a spiritual being while we're on the planet and after we leave the planet after catching away. We'll always be the spiritual body of Christ. I say this on purpose because there's going to be other actions that take place that are not spiritual, but they're natural. The Jews will be natural, not spiritual. But we're not going to spend a lot of our time concerning ourselves with the Jewish position because we have so much to learn about our position spiritually so that we do not get ourselves confused. Because here's the thing. We live in a natural world, but we're not natural. Before we got saved, we were natural. And we lived in the natural world as natural people because something happened to our spirits, remember? Something happened to the man's spirit at Adam. What was it? Before Adam and Eve fell, they had a communion with God. They were almost one with God. And then they disobeyed and fell away. And what happened to them? I always like to use the terminology that to me identifies the the whole problem, rather than peace, 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 then getting to the end. Spiritual death came into their, their spirits, separated them from God, placed humanity in that position forever until Jesus Christ completed work on Calvary's cross, which was God's plan from the beginning. 
since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the opportunity for man to be delivered from spiritual death has been available through the resurrection of Jesus. One of the major reasons that we wanted to emphasize the fact about the Apostle Paul's ministry is what's necessary to understand to function in the dispensation of grace is only found in the Apostle Paul's ministry. Do you understand that? I hope you do by now. It's nothing against Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John cannot identify and give you the reference that you need for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They talk about Christ's death and they talk about his resurrection, but they don't talk about it in the context that we need to hear it. Their context is you killed the Messiah, and here's proof. You killed him, you put him on a cross, and God raised him from the dead. That's the whole context in which they're trying to get the people, the Jewish people to understand. You killed the Messiah. That won't do us any good. So the Apostle Paul was given the message of why Jesus died, why Jesus went to the cross for us. It's the belief in his resurrection and his shed blood that we have to have that you can't get through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the whole point. You got it? You, you get the whole picture here? You have to understand scriptures. There are scriptures that are, if you, if you persist in them, they're going to conflict with who you are. That's all there. It's real simple. You're the body of Christ. Certain things have happened to you in your spirit and made you who you are. God has placed within you all that you have need of. Come on. Amen. See, what happens is we think that our blessings are at Publix. So we're praying for God to do something for us at Publix. Our blessings are not at Publix. Our blessings are already inside of us. That's the whole point here. That was just an example to show you it's not outside. It's inside. We need to understand how they're released into our lives, not arbitrarily by God, as needed. Remember Philemon 6? The vehicle that's used is faith to cause the blessings to manifest in our lives that are already given to us. I'm going to read the text one more time. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is where the wisdom of God comes from. All Scripture. God's wisdom is, is enveloped in His Word. We have to get the Word in us to get the wisdom of God in us. So that's for all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. All Scripture is profitable to us, but it has to be rightly divided. That's all I need to say about the subject. That for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfectly, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Even today, when darkness is all around God has made provisions for the body of Christ so we will not have to walk in darkness. The same God who commanded light to shine out of darkness wants to turn the light on inside of us. Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly, not the mind of man, the spirit of man. In John 7, 38 and 39, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, 
Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The idea is to show the belly what it is. But this he spoke of the Spirit, which he that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now listen, in that one verse of Scripture is a revelation that most people miss. The Holy Ghost couldn't come until Jesus was glorified. So the Holy Ghost is here, so Jesus was glorified. When we receive the Holy Spirit, He comes to dwell inside of our human spirits to communicate with us in our own spirits, not in our minds. This is the difficulty that the body of Christ has, especially in this day and time. They haven't developed the relationship with the Holy Ghost to recognize His voice. They recognize every other voice in the world, but they can't recognize the voice of the Holy Ghost without the recognition of the voice of the Holy Ghost. It's impossible to live victorious in this life. It's going to take recognizing His voice. If I was in that position, and I have been there, but I'm not there now. If, I, if that was my life, and I didn't recognize the voice of the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't do another thing in my life until I did. It's that important. I wouldn't eat another meal. I would not do another thing until I understood and realized and recognized the voice of the Holy Ghost in my life. I can't do it for you. Nobody can. You have to do it. You have to have such a desire for it because He's not hiding from you. He's talking to you. But we're so mentally entombed. We're so mentally bound that we hear, we hear voices in our minds, but we can't hear the voice of the Holy Ghost in our spirit. Why? Well, but number one, we don't shut up. He's not going to compete with a racket. He's not going to compete with foolishness. He's not going to try to turn the volume up over the volume that you're using. So you have to turn it down, get real still, and you'll hear a voice that's been talking to you for a long time that you haven't been able to hear because you've been so loud in your communications to yourself, in your thought life, and everything. See, a lot of people don't like to be alone, so they play something all the time. They either have the TV going. There are people who turn the TV on and never turn it off. It stays on 24 hours a day. It's just a companion to them. Isn't that amazing? They, can, they, they don't want to be alone. They don't know they're not alone. But the Holy Ghost is not going to compete with the TV. And it's, it's a companion to them. They just set it on one channel and it just runs forever. They go to bed at night. They don't want to go to sleep without the TV on. They leave the TV on all the time for a companion. Well, they're going to have a little difficulty hearing from God. Because he's not going to trip them and throw them in the floor and wrestle them down to talk to them. He wants them to hear him so much that they shut off all the racket. The Holy Spirit will contact us about spiritual things in our spirits. Now listen, God is interested, God is interested in every aspect of your life. But you have to believe that He is. Remember the scripture says, believe that He is? In, in Hebrews, believe that God is? What do you got to believe? That God is interested in. You have to believe that God's interested in every aspect of your life. Or guess what? If you don't believe that, it won't show up for you. Why? Because it's there. It's not removed. It's there. But you can't have it. 
because you don't believe it. You have to believe that God's interested in every aspect of your life. The more you, the more you delve into the Scripture and the more you get convinced, okay? See, we try to equate God's love with our love. We withhold love to make people do what we want them to do. Huh? In some form, that's natural. But God doesn't do that. That's not God. God doesn't withhold. So somewhere down the line, we develop this attitude of that's how we operate. We think that's how God operates. And so if things do not go our way, we think God's holding back on us because we've done something to offend Him. That's not true. That's not how God works at all. You can get things held back from you, but it won't be God doing it. The Holy Spirit will contact us about spiritual things. See, to God, all things are spiritual things. All things are spiritual things. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must do what? In spirit and in truth. So what happens is we have to, when we got converted, we got converted into a full-fledged spirit. See, our spirit was dead. Now it's alive, and it's alive to God. And so what we have to do is change our whole, we have to change our, our whole thinking process from full natural to full spiritual. And the sooner the better. And the process is helped along by our relationship with the Holy Spirit that's in us. Now, the, the, scripture, the scripture describes his location as in our bellies. It said in John, out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. Rather than argue with the scriptures, agree with the scriptures. If that's what God wants to say about it, that seems to be fine. Who, who am I to change it? I don't have the ability to change it. If God said, out of my belly flows rivers of living water, then bless God, out of my belly flows rivers of living water. And that's the whole point here this morning, is to convince ourselves that God knows more than we do about us and about our future. And he really doesn't care about your past. It's the future. Okay, listen to this. The Holy Spirit will contact us about spiritual things in our spirits. Today, the body of Christ is living in a time when we are to be more spiritual than natural. And we cannot do this without the help of the Holy Spirit in our spirits. We need him. Of course, he needs us on the other side of this equation, but we need him more. We can't do anything spiritually without him. Now, I'm not talking about weird stuff. I ain't talking about seances. I ain't talking about crazy foolishness in darkness. I'm talking about in light. This other is real. Demonic powers are real. Seances and uh, tarot cards and fortune-telling and all, th those things are real. They're just to pull people into more darkness. Well, see, I've been delivered from darkness. I'm not walking in darkness. I'm not interested in darkness. I'm looking for the Holy Spirit to lighten up my spirit, according to Proverbs. That's the candle of the Lord, is my spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is going to minister to me about me in my spirit. And this is more needed now than ever before. And we cannot do this without the help of the Holy Spirit in our spirit, bearing witness with our spirits of the truth of God's Word. As we've said before, the whole Bible is God-breathed truth, full of wisdom. We've seen that there are times in the Scriptures when God is speaking to men at various times and places about different subjects, and it's true. He may not be speaking to us specifically. However, we must allow the Holy Spirit in our spirits to guide us in all truth, not just some truth. He's the detector, the Holy Spirit. See, these people who are in the rightly division today haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to, to be their guide because they've said that it passed away. They've already offended him and said that his work is not necessary today because the perfect has already come. Well, that's not true for me because I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I pray in tongues and they don't. And the excuse they use that they don't is because they don't have to anymore because all that was needed. All these things were needed at the beginning of the church. Well, I'm thinking to myself when I heard a person say that, I said, if it was needed at the beginning of the church, it's needing more so now at the end of the church. So it first got, it got started spiritually, okay? This is what they're saying. It was necessary at the beginning. Paul's preaching and teaching on the 14th and the 12th and 13th chapter of Corinthians was necessary at the beginning of the church. But now, that which is perfect has come. All that isn't necessary, really. If it was necessary at the beginning of the church, it is doubly necessary at the end of the church. Because most of all, they need it because they've abandoned it. Maybe you haven't been there. Maybe you haven't seen the others, uh, all these things that are available uh, to, uh, on social media today. You'd be surprised what's available on social media that you just have to run from because it's ungodly. It's not true, especially a part where they deny the Spirit of God. Anytime anyone denies the power of the presence of the Holy Ghost, what I want to hear what that's being said about. Not when I'm doing everything I can to cultivate a relationship with Him. When I'm trying in my life to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Ghost, why would I want to listen to something that would want to weaken that relationship? Not me. No, it's the Holy Spirit that's necessary today to put us over. Now, the whole goal here is going to be getting this church into position to live victorious every day. Not one day, every day. The victorious Christian life is available to every believer, not just one here, one there, every believer. So let's position ourselves. Now listen, I'm going to make some statements for us to position ourselves in that direction, but it has to be understood there are some statements or attitudes that we have to know that have to be there all the time. Number one, you have to walk in love. You have to walk in love. If you expect to proceed, you must walk in forgiveness. And then the more knowledge of the Word of God you have, the better off you are. But you can have all knowledge and not walk in forgiveness, and it does you no good. You hear me? You can have all knowledge and not walk in love, and it do you no good. That stops the flow. 
and that's not what we're interested in. So you, you should know this. You don't want to stop the flow in your life, period. And it's a relationship with others more than it is relationship with God. It's relationship with others is vastly important in the victorious Christian life. So how about this? These are accusations that you ought to make about yourself every day. First thing in the morning, before anything else happens, whatever I do will prosper. Now, that statement is a major statement. So who do you think is going to cause it to happen? Does it mean that now, since you made that statement about yourself, that now you have to cause that to happen? No, you have to do everything you can to cause it not to happen. <laughs> That's all your part is, not to make it happen. Don't get in the way. Don't stop it. Don't get into unforgiveness. Do not get out of love with people. Do not do all these things that will stop you from prospering. Listen to this. Whatever I do will prosper. No weapon formed against me will prosper. But a lot of people could save themselves a lot of problems if they laid the foundation that these weapons can't work against them. They don't do that. And the weapons are formed against them and caused great destruction in their life. And then they want God to do something about it. And he's already said, why didn't you do something about it at the beginning? Remember we went through this Alzheimer's dementia thing? What was that for? The Holy Ghost led me in that direction to encourage the church. Now, that wasn't a one-time event. Dementia will never be a part of my life. Why? Because I won't let it. Well, you can't say that. Well, you better be saying it. And you better be believing it. These spiritual forces that come against you are stopped by you. Remember the episode when Brother Hagin was wondering when Jesus was going to stop the devil? And Jesus did not do a thing. And it interfered with the whole thing. And finally, the message got out. I'm not going to. That's what you're supposed to do. And the moment that he did, the moment that Dad Hagen's challenged the spirit, it stopped and left. That's to teach us that the responsibility to stop the spiritual movement is not God. He's already put it in our hands. He's given it to us. If someone gives you, if there's a huge warehouse with all kind of stuff in it, and it's locked up, and everyone who owns it walks by and gives you the key and tells you that whatever's in there is yours, what's your responsibility if you want what's in there? Get on the curb and cry and ask somebody why you can't get in there or believe for somebody to go in there for you when it's your responsibility? No, you take the key and you go and open the door and enjoy what's in the, the benefits of what's in the warehouse. That's what we have. God's given us the key. The warehouse is there. It's filled. You can have it. You can have no Alzheimer's. It seems to be lately that it's lung cancer that's attacking everybody. What's your responsibility? You have some kind of responsibility against lung cancer in your body. When do you do it? Let's don't get tripped up on these good reports from medical doctors. You can't you can't keep praying around, playing around, praying around, playing around until you get a good report, and then you're going to be happy. 
you better go in there with your report. Everywhere you go, you better carry your report. Whose report are you going to believe? You're going to believe God's report? Listen to me. They're doing their job. They're honor-bound to tell you what they find. Don't hold it against them. They can't help it. That's just, that's what they do. You, You remember what Kenny said? He laid the foundation in advance before he ever got there. He didn't wait for them to tell him. He told them. And guess what the outcome was? Exactly what he told them. Does that ever cross your mind? It's not that the world is is not on your side. It's trying to kill you. But we're not of the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. But we got to live above it, not live in it and complain about it. Live above it. You must live above it. You can't live in it and expect to be victorious. You live above it. You know what? Even our mistakes can prosper if we believe for it to be so. I'm telling you. Our God is an awesome God. Our mistakes can be a blessing if we believe for it. Here's a direction finder with a GPS attachment. I'm always in the right place at the right time. I'm always in the right place at the right time. You know what people say? I'm always at the wrong place. Well, guess what? They set their GPS for that. You better set your GPS to be at the right place all the time. I'm always at the right place all the time. Now we'll ease over to this one. My body is healed. Do you know anything about your natural physical body by now? Okay. It develops all kind of aches and pains and all kind of stuff, right? You pick up something. You had not picked up anything in a while, and you pick up something, and you strain a muscle. And what happens? It lets you know it, doesn't it? This never happens to you guys, huh? You're already up above this level here. No, you're not. I'm trying to tell you, your body is always talking to you. Well, you have to talk back to it. You have to tell it what it is, not let it tell you what it is. That we have a tendency to let it tell us. I'm going to keep doing this till I decide I want to quit. In a little over a month, I'll be 83 years old. I'm not going to let my body tell me what to do. When I get ready, and there will come a time, I'll get ready then I'll quit. Not because my body wants me to, because God wants me to. I'll step aside. But my body's not going to tell me. My body's healed. My mind is alert. Now listen to me. Don't panic because you can't think of something. That happens to everybody. Especially if it's something that you haven't been uh, generating any thoughts about lately. There's nothing wrong with that. People, That's a Opportunity for people to panic and open the door for Alzheimer's. Oh, I can't remember anything. I don't know what's happened to me. You know what you just did when you said that? You just opened a door that you didn't want to open. Oh, it might not happen to you the first thing in the morning. You might not go blank. (laughs) But you sowed some seeds and a crop's going to come up on it. If you don't pull it up. Thank God for a wife that reminds me when I say dumb stuff. 
not on purpose. I don't just go around saying dumb stuff. And my wife just simply says, is that what you want? Well, I think, and I said, no, that's not what I want, but that's what I said. And she said, well, you know what you have to do? Well, you can't say, well, I didn't mean to say that. That's not going to stop it. It takes the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus to stop it. That's the power behind it. That's how you stop it. I bind that in the name of Jesus Christ and render it harmless and helpless. It will not produce a crop in my life. That stops it. The idea is to let that be less frequent, you know, those statements. At the beginning, I just couldn't even talk. Every time I opened my mouth, it was, is that what you want? Is that what you want? Is that what you want? No, I didn't want any of that. I'm telling you how God works. I'm telling you how the Scripture works. I'm telling you how the Bible works. I'm telling you how faith works. I'm telling you how the body of Christ works. Nothing can take me by surprise. Nothing can take me. Now, I'm just giving you a jumping, a starter list. You can finish this. This can go on forever. Nothing can take me by surprise. No sickness or disease can live in my body. Every choice I make is a godly choice. At first, that won't be true, but pretty soon your crop will come up. Every choice I make is a godly choice. You're sowing seeds for godly choices to be coming into your life. Every choice I make is a godly choice. Over in Isaiah 54, 17 is where we received that a while ago. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment I shall condemn because this is the heritage of the servants of God and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Well, my righteousness is of the Lord, so I qualify. And then in Psalms 1 verse 3 says this, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in his season. Your fruit should always come in its season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God's not against you doing things for prosper's sake. Psalms 119.105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's the word of God. Abiding word in our redeemed spirit will, listen to this. Abiding word, the abiding word in our redeemed spirit will create a lifestyle fit for God and our lives will show forth the godliness that we are. Our lives should show forth the godliness that is in us. And it does so by the abiding word in us. Okay? We want to see God's image of us perfected by speaking God's word. Now, we're just entering into the phase where we want to see ourselves as God sees us. Remember? Not as the world sees us, not as circumstances sees us, not as everybody sees us, but as God sees us. That's the image that we want to see, the image that God sees of us. Now, we went through this to show the, 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 the blood of Jesus Christ is the prism by which God views me. He sees me and you through the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus corrects all my faults. God never sees any because the blood of Jesus is standing between he and myself. I didn't say I was perfect. 
But God sees me as perfect because he sees me through the blood of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that I can go out here and do anything I want to. That's foolishness talk. That's not my intent ever. That's never been my intent. My intention is to live godly, not live ungodly. We want to see God's image of us perfected by speaking God's Word. Whatever He has said about us, God's Word enlightens us in our spirits, regardless of what our natural minds think. Do not release what, listen to me, do not release what the natural mind thinks. Pay attention. Most of the time, we release into our lives what the natural mind thinks. And we sow the seed for that. And we get that as a crop. And we don't want that. We have to release what the Word of God says all the time. And we started it here, remember, by saying, everything I set my hand to is prosperous. Whatever I do will prosper. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Why? Because I'm not going to let it. I have the God-given right to stop it, and I'm not going to let it. And so I speak against it. Words are the most powerful things on the planet. That's why you miss it if you don't go back to the first three chapters of Genesis and pay attention. God said, and there's all kinds of things in there we could gather from that. But God said, and it happened, and it was good. What God said was good, and it happened. And God said, and God said, and God said, laying the foundation. Then we go right on down just a little bit, and he said, and God created man in his own image. So why? So that man could do the same thing God did. And God said, and man said, and God said, and man said, and God said, and man said. We release the word of God out of our mouth. And wisdom comes from the, mouth, from the mouth of God. It's His Word revealed and conceived in our human spirits and released into the world by words to affect a change in lives. 